0: Welcome to the Everything Theatre interviews. As regular listeners will know, we chat each week to theatre creatives. Like that could be writers, directors, actors, even the people around the venues. And usually we have an emphasis on fringe theatre and a theatre outside of London sometimes. You can find out more about Everything Theatre on our website. That's at everything-theatre.co.uk where you'll find all our reviews, interviews and previous podcasts. You can also hear the podcast infuse on our radio show. That's at runradio.com. Run is spelt R-U-N-N. Every Wednesday between 8 and 10.30. And then repeated Saturday between 3 and 5.30. Right, and that's all said. Let's dive straight into this week's interview. This week, I've got Joe Strickland. Joe is from Chronic Insanity. He's spoken to us before. Think back in about June time, wasn't it? Uh, May or June. Um... We've also reviewed their show 24, 23, 22 in the past, which we loved. So really great to have you back, Joe. Um, so would you like to just quickly introduce yourself and tell us a bit about Chronic Insanity again?
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm Joe. Um, I'm a theatre maker, uh, digital producer and creative technologist. Uh, and I'm artistic director of Chronic Insanity, um, which is a theatre company based up in Nottingham. Um, we make um, kind of traditional... We we'll work in traditional found and digital spaces. We really do have a very broad definition of theatre that we kind of create work for, and that involves a lot of um, interactive and playable and gig and all sorts of other things that really try and emphasise that kind of live quality of theatre, whether it's on demand and pre-recorded or whether it's in the same space as the audience. And your ne- the show coming up
0: is All Down, which is going to be at the Vault Festival, twenty fourth twenty eighth of January two performances each day as well i noticed so quite busy schedule for you what can you tell us about all fall down then
1: well yeah um all falls down is a sort of interactive um immersive show but definitely a sort of show that the audience play along with and have to actively engage with in order to further the story the show takes place just after the crash of a light aircraft in the middle of the um pacific northwest in the u.s and um The audience are a group of friends who have reunited several years after university, decided to take a short flight, the plane has crashed, and they've woken up, stranded in the middle of the forest, and they will soon learn that there is a threat in the forest that they must try and defend themselves from, or escape, or befriend in order to try and return to civilization unscathed. Um, That threat is different every single performance for every audience, and the show itself is completely improvised and Responds to the exact way the audience want to control their characters in the show. They tell me what they want to do, and then I construct the story around their actions and how the world and this threat reacts to their behaviour.
0: So, how you go is when you say the threat's going to be different each time. Is it you'll go come in with a different different idea each time, or is it up to the audience to work out what their threat is? Is it going to be sort in them in their, their decision making?
1: Uh, i normally come to each show with a few ideas of potential threats um and one of the reasons i do this is also because we want to try and make the show as accessible as possible and we know that there are things that people are scared of and don't want to pay and engage in a show with and then suddenly this thing that they are actually very terrified of turns up um so coming to a show with a couple of threats means that we can kind of check beforehand if anybody has any particular fears they don't want to come up whether those are things like you know spiders or the dark or we've had people being afraid of any things like humanoid creatures or like mascot costumes or clowns things like that which could have turned up in the story had they not kind of warned us about them so we try and make sure that people yeah that everyone who is there you know it's it's everyone's story to kind of experience so we want to make sure that everyone is on board with it um and the threats only get more creative as we keep doing the show we did it last year in april at um at crypt the uh venue in Bethnal green run by parabolic and we did that there for six nights three shows a night and then we've done it once since at the um robin hood international improv festival up in nottingham uh this past september so we have run through 19 different threats and are gonna have to come up with another however many for vault because yeah actually as you said it's on two two performances a night and then on Saturday we're actually performing it five times throughout the day oh my god 2 p.m all the way through to the final show at half eight in the evening so (sighs) what's that another 15 threats that we'll have to come up with for this run but uh yeah that'll be fun
0: (laughs) are you so you're never tempted to fall back on ones you've used before then you're really trying to be inventive and sort of bring new ones for the sort of each show
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, technically, I'm always tempted to try and fall back. It's not like the audience will ever know, but it's more of part of the kind of self-challenge of it is to try and, you know, be like, okay, well, it's the Pacific Northwest. So we've had Bigfoot, we've had, like, a grizzly bear, we've had, um, you know, UFOs or, uh, you know, all of these other things, that you know, the first things you might think of. In these sorts of spaces um so what is it the, what are the kind of combinations of things or the more creative stuff that we can come up with and really come up with a unique experience something that people couldn't have anywhere else because everyone else would have gone for wouldn't have put themselves in a situation where they can't use any of the obvious things uh, or the classic or the you know the well-known stuff they'd have to so we have to really come up with something creative sometimes on the spot for people but that often makes a really you know an actually unique thing that they couldn't have done
0: anywhere else so we're quite proud of that um, now you are you, calling it interactive. Is that is that really is it immersive? Is it is there a difference between interactive and immersive in your mind? Or
1: sure. So um, yeah, I think the show has both interactive and immersive qualities. Um, interactive is that the audience actively you know take part. They shout out. They are asked questions. There are there is a certain activity at the core of the show that they have to engage with if their character is going to do something outside of their skill set or if they have to do it when under under duress or if they're scared um something they have to do to kind of prove their skill and it's not just the same as like i do this there's a way of checking whether they succeed or fail which we're kind of keeping as a secret um until the show happens um although it's the same as previous if you've seen the show before and the immersive quality is that we kind of have a soundscape that accompanies the show that i control um and also we have blindfolds for the audience if they want to blindfold themselves for the beginning and um, people often really benefit from that because you really get to focus in on the storytelling and really picture and imagine the world that's being told to you um and then you get to remove your blindfold once the threat and the gravity of your situation has revealed itself to you and then from that point onwards you can kind of see and communicate with each other and really try and plan how you're going to overcome the the thing that you come across
0: so so from an audience point of view what what is is the audience seated are they going to be sitting there and it's going to be a, a verbal thing and they go be sort of throwing out ideas and that or is there sort of more are they sort of go be is it one of these where you're standing around and you're moved around um usually the audience stay seated unless they are, are called upon
1: to um kind of prove their worth at key moments in the story um but one of the benefits of having an improvised show is that it can be fully improvised for whatever the audience is able to or wants to do that evening um again, the whole audience plays as a group. So if somebody doesn't really want to engage, they just want to kind of sit there and watch other people do the story and, and enjoy it from afar, they can absolutely do that. There's no wrong way to take part in the show. We just essentially need one person in the audience to be actively playing the story and then everyone else can kind of enjoy it and watch and can chip in if they feel more confident or if they desire to later on, or they can just sit back for the whole thing. Yeah.
0: How, how do you go about rehearsing a show like this? I've spoken to it in people who do improv before? And this is all this is sort of a style of improv, isn't it? Away. Um, and I, I did accuse someone recently. I I think they took it as the joke it was meant to be, that is improv just an excuse not to write a script and just to turn it up and make it up as you go along. But I mean, how do you really go about rehearsing for this show? Because it must be a framework you have to put together in your head to start with, yeah?
1: Sure. So I think it's about 50% relying on my improv skills. I've I've done improv for a number of years. I've performed in shows up at the Edinburgh Fringe. I've led and been a part of improv societies at university and have done improv since leaving university here and there. And I also use improv a lot when devising or coming up with shows that then end up being scripted or performed in other ways. And then the... So that kind of is like relying on that and knowing that I have that skill set and that I can just kind of generate stuff on the fly and that it is you know uh, <laughs> that it is entertaining or interesting for audiences i just i have that practice and i'm kind of using that and the fact that we do so many performances each night means that you kind of get into it very quickly and then you kind of stay in there for the week that the show is running which is useful um the other half is about having the kind of framework of the the area in which the story is being told so i know that it's going to last an hour i know that i want it to hit kind of regular traditional three-act structure story points so that people i know it wants to end on something that feels satisfying um or if they all if all the audience die or get destroyed by the thing fine it becomes a tragedy rather than a heroic journey with a great thing at the end but there should be a satisfying from a narrative perspective ending so we always try and aim towards that and i have an idea of the layout of the space we're in 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 our heads everyone starts in the same location there are certain fixed points within the imaginary forest and depending on which direction people move they'll encounter different parts of the um the kind of geography and the landscape of the area and the story will be told around those areas too um yeah and so it's kind of those idea of having that very rough outline of where we're going to be where we start but then allowing the audience to decide on whatever direction they want to go in
0: it's, you know what, it, it really sounds to me like um, the old Choose Your Adventure books, you remember those yes. where you say, you know, do you want to go here or here? And it goes to page 132 or page 110. It's, is that how you script it? Do you almost script it when you, you write different branches off or...
1: Well, I mean, essentially, the show doesn't have, have a script. It, it just has me remembering what we've done in the past and what sort of worked well with audiences and what didn't work you know, quite so well. But yeah, it's very much inspired by those. You know, I did, I used to play Choose Your Own Adventure script as a kid. Chronic talent has made shows. I have that sort of the ability for the audience to kind of choose the path that they go down. But this show was an aim for us to try and create that in a way where the audience didn't have these kind of, you know, distinct, limited choices. I think it's known as kind of having a show that's on rails it's like the audience can do anything out of the three choices we have rehearsed and built set pieces for and they can kind of move down whereas there are other companies um like you know, parabolic is a great example of one who do um off-the-rail shows where the audience can genuinely generate whatever ideas they want and they get built into the show and supported where the audience can kind of co-create the story with the artists and the performers and the practitioners and the people on stage, and that's what we really wanted to do with All Falls Down, um, and that's what we've been able to do so far, and we're kind of are really happy to be able to keep
0: doing a vault this year or next year. Yeah, is it is it just you, or is it are you the sole actor in this one?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, this show is just me. Yeah, I mean, it only takes one person to uh, to tell the story and to generate. And if there are multiple characters, I'll play different characters. Uh, but then that's like saying that it's not the audience like it is me being the person on stage who tells the story who gives the rules who checks and make sure everyone's on board with what we're doing but then the aim is to try and give the audience the opportunity to kind of take as much of, of that kind of creative control as they want as well um to really yeah make it something that can be co-created between myself and the people who are in attendance
0: how do you, you know i want to go back actually what so you mentioned before but how do you do you have like a mental clock in your head because surely if you're do you, do you, or do you have a clock at the back wall or something? How do you keep within that time frame? You know, you are set to, is it an hour? or Are you 50 minutes? Or
1: Yeah, um, it's an hour, 50 minutes. I think mean, in the past, performances have been 45 minutes. When we did the International Improv Festival, we had a 20-minute slot and I had to get a full story told in that time. Uh, yes, I keep track of the time um, by means that are not, uh, fully mental stopwatch i've um so there's a soundscape and i control the soundscape from a laptop and that also has the time and i can keep checking ah. the time through that as well um to make sure that we you know to help aid the story if we run out of time and overrun i mean fortunately at fault the people who are after us are us doing the show again or <laughs> the end of the evening so it's not like we can inconvenience anybody but still people are there to do an hour and people might have shows you know Change together back to back, or just other things to do. So, we don't want to overrun. We want to make sure we you know, stick to the advertised time. Uh, but, yes, that, that, that is not a skill. That is definitely, yeah, I, I, I watch a clock and improvise the story appropriately.
0: I was chatting to um, some people recently, and they're doing a show at the vaults about um, sort of time, not timekeeping in a way, and about ADHD and timekeeping and how we all perceive time differently. And I, I just got his image, that we had the same conversation about how you keep to that time frame. And um, I've I've just got his image of you getting carried away and being two hours in before someone realises. <laughs> right, we let's do. talk about the venue. I'm intrigued by this venue. It's in the void. It's the Fault Festival. It's in the void, which is a shipping container. Yep. So not the biggest of spaces. Does that dictate how the show works for you?
1: Uh, yeah, so... We've always performed this show in relatively small spaces, and it was always designed that way. Um, I think the capacity size is about 15 audience members. 19,
0: it says on the website. 19, really.
1: It's around in that kind of, yeah, late teens area, uh, less than 20. And when we did it in April of 2022, I think we had a max audience of about 12. Um, So we're used to performing this. But then when we did it at the International Improv Festival, we had an audience of about, like, 50, 60 so we played the show a little differently they were all controlling the consciousness of one person rather than a group of 60 people who had all crashed on this airplane um but i think for we'll judge it on you know we'll judge it on audience size if only two people turn up wonderful they can play individual people if we have a room full of 19 maybe we'll have them all control a single person we'll kind of figure it out we'll take an audience vote i don't know it's an improvised show we'll kind of figure it out as we go along um but yeah no it, it'll be it'll fit and the show's not a lot of movement it's very in the mind's eye of the audience which which i think to be honest a lot of theater is really anyway particularly like very good theater we're a very lo-fi uh, theater company and we don't always do a lot of bells and whistles we make sure the ideas and the stories and the things we want to get across are communicated well but we don't throw a lot of budget at lights and sound aesthetic mainly because we don't have a lot of budget um to throw at things and so we've sort of developed our own way of doing stuff without the need to show everything we do a lot more telling so yeah, uh, we have a little table and we build a little kind of diorama of the forest and the plane crash on that table to help set the scene a little bit and we use real moss so there might be a bit of a scent component as well and then we do the immersive soundscape so it all kind of there'll be something to focus on and to uh, immerse yourself in just enough to get you going and then the story carries you the rest of the way into itself yeah
0: Now I know you're really into your sound aren't you you've done music and that in the past it's it's performing in a metal which is basically a metal box. Does that does that affect how the sound at all?
1: I don't know yet. Um <laughs> I don't think we've performed in a, a shipping container. I've seen a few shows in shipping containers before, but a lot of those are um the Darkfield shows where you mm. there's sound, but it's all in headphones, so it's not like it's reverberating in the space. So I'm not sure is the is the main answer. But one of the benefits of having an improvised show is we'll be able to kind of figure that bit out as we go along. Um, and if if the story needs to take a sort of a more you know enclosed thing uh turn into different parts of it then then it can do we can figure out likewise in that space the number of people in the room might affect the sound as well
0: yeah yeah.
1: the full audience in a metal box they might cancel out compared to say an audience of three or four where there's still room for the sound to you know reverberate and bounce around so we'll have to have a look um we'll have to see but yeah that'd be a fun extra thing to play with
0: <laughs> what's, what's easier for you is it a small as you know i know you've talked about you know, two people turn up on 19 people turn up is it easier just having a small number for, for this sort of show or is sort of the more people the better because you get more ideas thrown at you
1: yeah it's normally a kind of medium range um like people might turn up and then might not necessarily know what the show is about fully they might not want to necessarily engage quite so much so a small audience might be super into it but could also equally maybe be wanting someone else to take the reins more and for them to kind of be able to see these other people control the story and then maybe they chip in here or there um i always as the kind of you know game master as it we'll check in with everybody if i see people aren't necessarily contributing i'll check to make sure that they're not just shy and want to contribute rather than sitting out and making that decision actively um but yeah normally we find a good kind of a group of people or a few small groups of people who have all come in kind of pairs triplets groups of four so that people can kind of interact with their friends the people they've come with but also with other groups and help make decisions that way often works quite well so yeah probably but likewise when we did it at the improv festival we had a group of 50 and that show went really well um and it did go so I think yeah. I don't think there's a bad number of people, but the more people you have, the more likely you are to have people, you know, the show can kind of move further forwards.
0: Do you get, um, and i us say you've performed this quite a few times already. Do you, um, do you ever have a problem where the audience, you, you struggle to get the audience to engage, or do you always find a few people turn up who understand what the show's going to be and are coming ready for that? Uh, normally it's been fine, There have been
1: shows that have been a bit less engaging, but that's just because we, that initial run had 18 performances in it. So I think it comes down to me really in running the show. Like if there's people that want to engage less then maybe we just give them fewer options do we give them very basic you're very kind of choose your own adventure ask you know do you go you know northeast south or west um and then they kind of more dictate a story until we reach a point and then i try and introduce more opportunities to engage as the story progresses in order for them to um to kind of ease into it and you know um get on board more with the way that the show works we don't necessarily we don't just throw people into the deep end um we yeah try and encourage people to take part in the way that we initially conceived that audiences might but we don't ever want to you know force anyone to do anything that they
0: the flexibility i suppose isn't it yeah yeah that's one of the benefits of having a fully improvised show is it can be as flexible as possible yeah there is i mean there's a skill set to it i know people told me in the past it's about you know i, I had someone say to me that they'll always look for the ones who make an eye contact or not because they're the ones who will usually engage. i suppose there's a skill set there isn't there in yeah. sort of understanding body language from your point of view
1: yeah yeah um actually um i so uh before i was doing theater i used to be a like when i was a teenager and going into university i was a uh magician and that idea of trying to figure out who actually wants to get up on stage and engage in these you know in these tricks and who is just here to passively watch and doesn't really want to be engaged with or you know have put the spotlight turned on them is something that i sort of picked up while doing that as a teenager and um likewise who are going to be the troublemakers who want to try and hog the limelight and all destroy everyone's, you know, um, uh, entertainment just to kind of satisfy whatever their own need to be for the focus of attention is. And that also comes into, uh, use during this show occasionally as well, where people really want to take it off the rails and see how far they can push it at the detriment to the overall group experience. And so we try and comedically and creatively reprimand the character that that person is creating
0: in order to stop them from being able to continue to do that. Never tempted to sort of put them in a situation where they'll get killed off early.
1: We have had people's characters break limbs and therefore be less able to actively make decisions or run off um, into the woods. That has not been, in, yeah, that has not been uncommon.
0: But fortunately, hasn't been very common. So, yeah, I always think of. Um, I, 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 I'm sure I've mentioned this before. Someone, I hope it wasn't you last time we spoke about being a magician, um, Darren Brown. Um, when he does some of these shows. And I always remember one show where he t- he invited everyone into the room to pick, the you know, to whittle down. He had about 200 people and he had to whittle them down for six. It was the Russian Roulette show. I don't know if you ever saw right. that. Yeah, yeah. And the first thing is everyone comes to the room and it was like literally everyone on the front row, you can leave, you're too eager. Everyone on the back row, you can leave, you're not eager enough. And it's yeah. there is an incredible sort of psychology, isn't there, to how you pick people and so I suppose it's the same psychology you get into for sort of this sort of show. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah.
0: Right. Let's talk about uh, chronic insanity anyway. So last time we spoke, we talked about the 12 projects or twelve, the 12 in 12, which is 12 shows in 12 months. Is this one of those 12 or have you completely blown that 12 and you're on to about 50 now? Um, so for this year, for 2022, we have very much succeeded
1: in 12 shows in 12 months, which is great this is our third year doing it as well and our third year of um not just succeeding but um exceeding and doing more than 12 shows in a year which is brilliant um we always try and do more just in case people have little gripes about what counts as a show or not and i think i think uh, i did a count this morning because we're making a sort of end of year roundup just to sort of celebrate um our third year and it looked like we'd hit about 20 for uh, 2022. i think we did 18 in our first year and 24 last year and 20 this year um which is great uh and uh, the original run of this show that we did back in april uh march or april was one of them but uh, no for all falls down at vault festival is going to be one of the first chosen next year's uh, 12 really? shows in 12 months project yeah
0: you've got let's let's talk about your venue in nottingham as well so that's hmm. open now isn't it
1: uh yes that is um soon we've been running little bits and bobs in it as a kind of practice sessions hopefully in early next year it will be open to a wider selection of the public and also for other companies um to come and yeah perform in our cave system if they want
0: to and how's that how how is the venue going what's i mean how's it been so far for you
1: i mean it's been alright yeah we've been um we've been we were very fortunate to have um, some arts council funding to um create our first sort of season and we did three shows either filmed or pre- presented in the caves um, did a show called What Really Happened to Vine, which is a sort of uh, compilation of vines that slowly became a sort of found footage horror experience. We did a show called uh, Medusa Reloaded, which is a retelling of the sort of like a modern day adaptation of the, well, not adaptation of the Medusa myth, but if Medusa and the Gorgons were still around and did a sort of Beyonce or Taylor Swift esque, I'm going to reclaim my narrative pop tour, what would that sort of be like? And then when Athena hears about it, um, Very much the antagonist within the medusa mythology at least from like the kind of god perspective how does athena then interrupt and what are the discussions around that that take place um and we did a sort of interactive show that's um we've just released recently called penumbra which is the idea of what if we take the idea of doing a sort of in-person interactive escape room style immersive theater thing And then we try and make an actual digital on-demand version of that. How complicated is that going to be to give people the amount of choice or options they might have in person via sort of interactive video, like, um, Black Mirror's Bandersnatch, the interactive Black Mirror episode. If we create that sort of system, how does that, how do people interact with that and how does that feel? And is that kind of as satisfying as being able to do it in person or not? So that's what we've done recently with that space. And then we'll probably restage a bunch of those in person again next year, as well as starting to welcome other Performers, musicians,
0: um, any sort of artists that want to use the space. Is there is there a good is there a sort of feel that there's a build-up in Nottingham at the moment, and you're getting a lot of artists contact you. Is there a good feel between the artists and there's sort of promise that you can really build something big out of this?
1: Yeah. Um, we found that the kind of theater and live arts scene in Nottingham is growing really nicely. There and the people are getting more and more, or maybe it's not growing, but people are getting more interconnected and I think part of that was down to organisations like um, In Good Company and other organisations in the East Midlands who really helped connect artists and theatre makers during the pandemic, holding Zooms, facilitating conversations between venues like the Playhouse, Curve, Derby Theatre, and artists in the local area to get more freelancers known by the people that you know control the larger funded buildings in the region, um, but also for artists to kind of understand and know each other. And I think a lot of people have been doing loads of really good work, and uh, it's nice that Chronic Catanet can be uh, like a small part of that and help continue to connect people um with our we do a scratch night every month called all sorts where anybody um drag performers comedians improvisers spoken word poets musicians theater makers sketch writers anyone can kind of throw stuff on a stage and get it you know get some feedback on it from a big group of people who are all creative in their own ways but maybe not in exactly the same field as you and I think that's been really lovely and successful and we've been running that since march of this year and done one pretty much every month So yeah, Nottingham's got really lovely live
0: music, comedy,
1: poetry scenes, and the theatre scene is just growing more and more each time we we, each time we check in on it. Yeah,
0: is is there a case of you also? It's about building up an audience, and you sort of start if you're doing regular events and that you find you're getting regular attendees, and you're starting to get a core audience, which obviously is essential, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we, We definitely see that happening. Oh, that's what I meant to ask. Well, how did your digital thing go? In your digital weekend showcase thing, go? I, I, I never got around to actually reviewing any of it, unfortunately. But did that go well?
1: Yeah, um, we um, I think for the past two summers, we've run New uh, Puncture the Screen, the sort of um, online uh it's like a data-driven digital art festival which just means that all the artwork has been informed by data in some way whether that's like scientific or population data whether that's the artist's own data about themselves or their lives or whether that is an interactive piece that somehow collects audience data or behavior and then creates the artwork live and in the moment or reacts to the way that the audience interact with it um yeah that went really well that was really good we're kind of we're considering plans for next year to try and keep it going for a third year in a row. Um, but that's been really good so far. So yeah, hopefully we get
0: to keep doing that. Brilliant. And on that subject, then so what else, what we got in 2023. So it's it's still the targeted 12 for twelve again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: And at the moment, it looks like we've already got 12 shows on the plan for next year. At the um we've got so obviously all falls down is the to Vault Festival. We are um helping to bring another show to Vault Festival later on in the beginning of March called uh, Batman, AKA Naomi's death show. They've been in touch. I'm hoping to talk to them as well. Yeah. Excellent. Um, yeah. Um, so we've been helping to, yeah, kind of produce that and support that as part of our, um, digital literary department. We're running, we run the UK's first uh, digital theatre specific literary department, and we're supporting five writers to create work that, uh, uses digital theatre in an interesting way. Um, one of which is uh, Batman, aka Naomi's Death Show, and the other four shows a part of that will all have their performances next year. We're doing a show at, at, as part of Sprint Festival at Camden People's Theatre in early March as well. We've got a show at The Cast up in Doncaster, a virtual reality thing that we've been working on for the past year or so. Um, hopefully opening, I mean, we will be announced soon. But we're doing another show at um, a at kind of um, off West End London venue in april may which is going to be great and we've got loads of other bits and bobs that are always kind of churning away in the back of our heads uh things we've done in the past that we might revive and retour. uh 24 23 22 is going on tour uh, around the country we're taking that to hull and oxford and wolverhampton and probably leicester and maybe back to london and then lots of places just opened their edinburgh applications. so who knows what's going to happen um in <laughs> august for us yeah did you do Edinburgh this year we did yeah we br- we took two shows up we did um a show called Some Other Mirror by Lawrence Owen, which was about um, uh, transitioning during lockdown, kind of written and performed by the same person, um, about their uh, experiences, and that went really well, it was really lovely, and we're hoping to do more of that. We're performing that in Bradford in January, uh, and then hopefully doing more dates throughout next year. And we did 52 Souls, a show that we've been doing for the past couple of years, which is sort of randomly generated show where the audience shuffle a pack of cards and Therefore, randomly generate a series of monologues about uh, death and mortality, which is full of comedy and tragedy and puppets and magic and music and poetry and all sorts of things.
0: Brilliant! So, a very busy year ahead. Yes, obviously, all starting and it's just remind people. So, Folk Festival twenty fourth, twenty eighth of January. I say at least two performances a day. Um, so, say we'll put links up on the website for you for all, the, so people can find out the links. We'll put links to your. Um, chronic and sanity's website as well so people can see what else you've been up to and what else you've got planned yeah. it's gonna be a busy year again for you then yes but it's always nice to be busy um <laughs> just have to make sure it's not too busy yeah it is i still it's, i feel we spoke last time it just amazed me how you can get up keep that many shows sort of juggling sort of keeping them all in your head as, well, as much as anything else mm-hmm. so especially when you're performing them joe been absolute pleasure as i say we'll we'll put all the, all the information up on the website Thank you again. It's been fun fun to catch up again. And hopefully yeah, we'll talk no, again thank next you for year. Me. Always lovely to chat, yeah. So, and do keep in touch with, say, with um, the other shows, especially 24, 23, 22. If, you, if we know when that's coming up, we'll make sure we'll put some uh, stuff out on social media to, to remind people just how good that was. Cheers, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Joe.
1: Cheers.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's interview. And if you're interested in being a future guest, just drop us a line to info at everything-theatre.co.uk And there's plenty more to read on our website and more podcasts listening if you want to pop over there. So yeah, our website again is everything-theatre.co.uk where you'll see all our reviews, interviews and podcasts. We've got lots more new interviews coming up in future weeks as well. So make sure you check back regularly and give us a follow so you don't miss a thing.